Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to this week's episode of the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable with me, Sean Phelan. This week is our Christmas special, and with our good friend Bruce Aitchison, we chat to Chris Laidlaw and Rupert Moon as we try and raise a few pounds for some great charities and have some fun along the way. Check it out now. <sighs> oh no, I can't go, can't go live on Twitter either. What's going on? I, I think we are on. No, I don't think we are. Oh yes, we are. Turns out, yes, turns we out are. we are. We turns are. out we are live. Of course we're live. Of, of course, course we're live. live. Oh, and even Rupert Moon's nailed it. Hello, everyone. Good evening. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. We've just had some technical difficulties, but we're well, whoa, whoa, we're, whoa, whoa, whoa. We've not had technical we've not, difficulties. No, we haven't. World, we haven't. world, world cup winner, uh, deck team of the decade superstar. Saracens women's legend Tamara Taylor has had IT difficulties. Yeah. Bless her. Unfortunately, she's stuck in her car and now has to go to a meeting. But so, uh, but we're going to thank her for trying anyway. Um, it just means you're going to get more uh, Chris Laidlaw and Rupert Moon in a, in a second. More stories. <laughs> and um, us. And us. and us, and us. Well, welcome, welcome, everybody. Uh, my name is Sean Phelan, uh, and I am from um, Philly Boots, uh, and the host of the this uh, Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable. Uh, next to me is the one and only king of rugby social media, Mr. Bruce Aitchison. How are you, sir? I am very well, thank you. That is quite an introduction. Uh, I, <laughs> I am. I am in my office. Look, this one, oh no, this one over here. That's that's a Chris Laidlaw shirt. That one right there, and I've and I've got a little a little Doddy number on as well uh, for for when Stu Tom joins us. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. It's going to be a great afternoon. Obviously, uh, Tamara can't join us at the moment. If uh, she's going to try and send some sort of video, uh, we did try, but she's promised to do. A, uh, a full-blown podcast with me um, in the near future. Uh, but the idea of this is we're going to have some laughs, uh, we're going to have some fun, but the, most importantly, we're going to try and raise a few quid for for a couple of charities. Um, uh, I'll go first with my one, I guess, before we before we talk to Chris. Um, mine is the Princess Alice Hospice. Uh, as some of you will know, uh, uh, my best friend passed away earlier this year to cancer uh, and they did a, a great job of looking after him um, in his final hours. So, and one of his wishes was uh, to try and raise a boatload of cash. We did a raffle a few weeks ago, didn't we, Bruce? And we raised about two and a half grand. But so so that's, that's the idea of this is that no, we have a few laughs, but we raise a few quid at the same time. So if you want to donate to the Princess Alice Hospice, the links on the screen, we'll put them in the comments and, and everything else as well. Um, uh, but also, if anyone do does donate uh, between now and the 23rd, um, make sure you put FYB or happiness is egg-shaped in the comments 
uh, on the Just Giving page to either this or, or Chris's charity, and you'll be entered into a draw to win a £75 voucher from supporters of the show uh, Rugby Store. So whether you donate a pound or £100, it's all the same. You all get put into a hat, and hopefully you'll get a nice little Christmas present a couple of days early. Um, so that that's for me. Uh, we're going to talk to Chris shortly about um, about what he's doing. But you know, for interest of fairness, donate to that link that's on the screen as well. Uh, Chris is going to talk you through what he's doing, why he's doing it, and who he's doing it for with Bruce very shortly. Um, so yeah, you know. Uh, so yeah, just wanted to. This is why we're doing it, really. Uh, how, how how much of a legend though is Tamara Taylor, right? She's had an absolute shocker. She was keen to come on and has training tonight, so was having to leave early anyway because she's got Sari's training, and she sent us a video on WhatsApp in kit as well in for kit us in to try and play because she's got her pre-training meeting to go to. She is an absolute legend. I think she is just awesome. She's She's so positive, such a phenomenal role model. Team of the decade, not not team just not, not even no. just like team of the tournament or team of the year. Team of the decade. That's no. that's bunk and a World Cup winner. Like how, the Cup winner. That, would have, that would have peaked. That would have peaked this podcast. The the question I wanted to ask was, how does it feel the morning after winning the World Cup? If you're watching this tomorrow, send in the video to that answer, or we'll save that and we'll come back to it when we when we uh, when we do have a chat, hopefully very soon. I just it's it's is is it is it an extreme? Is it I am a World Cup winner? I can do whatever I want, and I'm going to McDonald's for a breakfast, even though it's half past eleven. I'm getting a breakfast in McDonald's, or <laughs> is it is it oh. I won the World Cup yesterday, and today is just the, uh, another day. Like, how how do you how do you manage that? It must be, oh, um, but being you you win the World Cup, that means you're the best in the world. You, did you ever watch The Simpsons? You're a Simpsons fan. Mm. Oh beer, oh beer. And yeah. there's an episode where Bart's talking to Homer about trying, and Homer says, "There's no point in trying because there's always going to be millions of people better than you at something." <laughs> But Tamara <laughs> Taylor, she's she won the World Cup and is in Team of the Decade. So there's there's nobody there was nobody better. That's beast, and that's I'm I'm not sure I'm not even I'm not even the best in my house. Never mind the best <laughs> in the world. That's <laughs> that is unbelievable. So anyway, enough enough of my Tamara Taylor loving. Uh, I think she's class. And like being, I think she's also going to get. A, I think she's also going to get a, an injunction out on you as well. Well, join the queue, Tamara. Join the queue. <laughs> right. Should we bring some guests on? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this. Let's let's bring into the chat uh, Chris Laidlaw. And oh, there he is. Twenty-four oh, Captain Rupert Moon. <laughs> look at this. How are we, gentlemen? All good. Look how, look how handsome the screen's got now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's let's start with C. Laidlaw. 
you're you're not you're not in the nineteen eighty five program, Chris. You're allowed to use your full first name. <laughs> Although you you'll be like me. You have you got any middle initials? I do. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, Robert. Oh, Robert. Rubble, like if you let me go off, I'll put it on if you want. Rupert, you must have a few middle names. Yeah, I've got Rupert, Henry, St. John, Barker, Moon. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I guess is, there, is, there, is there enough, is there enough uh, room in on a driving license application? Whoa, 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 whoa. I got off lightly. My brother's Richard Henry Quentin Barker. My sister is Estelle Annette Aug Augusta Barker. So uh, I think I've got the best deal there. <laughs> but my dad did tell me that he wanted to call me Hector, and my mum wasn't having any of it. And I was like, "Oh, I see myself as a Hector Moon. Who and, knew?" Uh, I, I don't, I don't see you as a golden retriever, Rupert. I see you, I see you as that hero that used to play. Right, let's let's cut to the chase right from the beginning. What was the story with the no collar? Um, it was just something that my brother had done. Um, when he started playing, my dad always used to say, people grab your collar, so tuck it in. So my brother used to do it, and then I used to do it. So it was always about that. And then Brian Moore copied me, Mickey Skinner, all those. But, uh, you know, I've got the original pictures. So when I was five years old, tucking the collar in then. So uh, he can't claim it, but Moro just tries to make it uh, his thing, but it ain't. Yeah, I love it. Rupert, Rupert Moon, dive passes and no collar. And we'll get to the dive pass because we're going to start an online campaign off the back of tonight. <laughs> yeah, as, as, as we've briefed. Lades, how are you? I'm good, yeah. Talking about dive passes, I think I'm old man to uh, recreate his. He used to dive pass too. I love the dive pass. And, and there's for some reason, there's no place for it now. Right, Chris, let's, let's, do, the, let's do the business bit. Part of what we're on for... Sean's told us a little bit about the hospice and his good mate, Andy, who was a top, top man. I, I was lucky enough to get to meet Andy. Uh, we might tell a story about us playing at Twickenham together, Sean. Uh, again? Again. Lads, you, uh, you've, you've got a few charities lined up and you've got some crazy challenge coming. Give us a little bit of background on what you're up to and why. Yeah, so um, it's 2021, I'm taking on 12 marathons in 12 months, so uh, one a month. Um, for the whole whole year next year and um, trying to raise a bit of money for uh, Alzheimer's Scotland, Marie Curie um, and also Murrayfield injured players. So um, it's it's been born out of a bit of sadness myself this year. Um, lost my mum um, in the middle of the year to cancer um, and obviously dad's news coming out in the press um, not so long ago that he's suffering from Alzheimer's. So um, I felt like I wanted to give something back to to my parents, I suppose, in terms of the support that they've given me through the years, um, and do it in memory of mum and, and in a way to support dad. So, um, and then Murrayfield injured players has obviously played played a part in my career. They they supported me through an injury and, and are now supporting dad through his illness as well. So, um, three, three charities that are really close to, to myself and family's hearts. Um, three charities that do amazing work, um, and I'm just delighted to be able to raise awareness of what they do and, and connect with people that are no doubt in similar positions. So why not why not take on a crazy challenge and, and do it for a good cause and a strong purpose? So. And the big part of it, Chris, is raising awareness. There's obviously there's the funds, but it's raising awareness of what these charities do. So you've spoken about support that the charities have given. What what messages that you want to get out there 
I, I think, you know, I was not naive, but like I knew Marie Curie existed um, from my time at Boromir and, and the strong connection the club had to the, the charity. And I kind of knew that roughly what they did, but in the last sort of two weeks of mum's illness, um, she, she was lucky enough to be able to remain in the house. Um, and, and they actually came and provided support in those last two weeks to us and to mum. Um, and I think just just being up, you know, in the mix of it and, and seeing up close and personal what these these people do in an in absolute time of need is is actually really inspiring. Um, and you know they're doing that week in week week out, day in day out. I can't imagine what you know the toll it takes on them mentally. Um, but the support is just unbelievable. And probably the one thing that jumped out for for me for Marie Curie was through the night. So they used to come in and spend the night with us. Um, from about 10 o'clock right through till the morning. And that's probably where we felt most isolated um, in terms of medical support. And they were just uh, unbelievable support mechanism um, for us as a family, more so, you know, myself and two brothers and dad. Um, and and they, they did a little bit of, sort of personal care for mum as well. So, um, and, and Alzheimer's Scotland are now, you know, they've been unbelievable since, since reaching out um, and, and dad, dad coming out. Um, with his diagnosis, we've we've known for probably about a year and a half to two years, nearly about that. Um, but he decided the time was right to make more people aware, and um, it was pretty brave on his part. So, look, there's there's loads of people in, in a similar position. It's not just me, and um, you know, if I can do anything a little bit to help others, then, then that's brilliant. So. How awesome. is he, Chris? How is he, Dad? Dad, yeah, Dad's pretty good. I actually, seen him today. I caught up with him today, so. Um, I would say he's, he goes and peaks and troughs, so some days he's, he's sky high and happy, and then other days he's, he's pretty low. So obviously losing his wife this year has been a massive blow to him, um, and he's you know with his with his illness as well is just compounding that. So um, yeah, he's he's had a tough old year, um, but he's got unbelievable support. His old cronies have really rallied around him. His old teammates, um, you know, he golfs nearly every week now with John Rudd and Keith Robertson and. Um, you know, Finley Calder, they've, they've actually become so tight over the last few weeks. It's been it's been awesome to see. So um, he's lucky. He's got really good friends, really good family around him. So we'll be uh, yeah, we'll be with him all the way. Awesome, Rupert uh, Roy Laidlaw, a player you admired. Yeah, decent with their dive pass. So obviously, one of the uh, respect from afar. He he slithered along the ground like myself. I'm telling you, it's uh, it's on the way back. It's the only way forward. Get in and out. Doesn't matter how. Just get it from A to B. Granobotica used to just say, just get it to me. Just get it. Doesn't matter how. Just get it. <laughs> Rupert, how does it sound when, when Chris is telling the stories about the, the rugby mates rally, rallying around at, at this time? Does that ring true with you and some of your buddies? Look, uh, it's a, a rugby family is very unique, isn't it? And uh, and my, my son started playing at the age of uh, five years old and he's been part of that family growing up. And I, you know, I'm still friends with my, my players that I played with when I was five and six years old. And so, uh, yeah, in times of need, uh, we always do. We always step up. Just some people have got a little bit more insanity about doing this fundraising a marathon a month. You know, it's bonkers uh, thinking of that. Um, but yeah. I uh, I managed to secure the go compare guy to ride a bike to Paris for a Wales France game. So we we do we do do some crazy things. Um, 
but yeah, yeah it's a it's a it's a proud family to be a part of so uh, i'm really pleased that uh, everybody does help each other in this hour of need you, you can't leave us hanging with that you got the go compare guy to cycle to paris why <laughs> yeah. who with uh, no, no, <laughs> i mean i'm involved with a couple of cancer charities one of them was uh, 10 of us of which we're patron and then there's a there's a hospice called T Havan in Cardiff and um, we were riding to the Rugby Wales we were, were playing France two years ago and it was my 50th year and so uh, he'd never ridden a bike and so uh, a month before he bought a bike yeah we went on uh, we went online when we'd had a couple of drinks and uh, he bought some fat lad at the back lycra and um uh, he rode with me to uh, to Paris, and it was bonkers with uh, 50 or 40 other people. We were at the back. Um, we got lost at the very start in Bath um, in the dark and had to find our way to a pub and eventually made it to Paris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is some, we went live in the evenings when we were drunk uh, in bed together uh, on Facebook. So if you track back, you can watch uh, some of our... Uh, escapades then so yeah and uh, he's a really good friend of mine really good friend good good thighs good thighs as an opera singer you've got good stamina to stand up but he'd never ridden but he was he never felt that lactic acid feeling it was really weird because we'd go and he was going up a hill but he didn't know that until he'd obviously done a few hills uh, to overcome it but we had such a time just uh all of us together raising money for another great cause. See, see if you told that story out with rugby people, you'd you'd get <laughs> locked up, man. You'd you'd be like that. But in rugby, it's just a oh yeah, yeah. Cycle to Paris with a go compare guy, and I slept with him, and we we put on Facebook Live, and it's just accepted yeah. as that's what happens. That's the just the norm. He was the guy that walked down the field singing "Bread of Heaven" with the flag against the All Blacks when the All Blacks. Uh, in 2005, uh, allowed us to do the the anthem after the hacker, even though they should allow every team to do their anthem after the hacker, not leave it to the last thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he was the guy that walked down the field and then not long after became the go-compare guy. <laughs> who, who knew the go-compare guy loved rugby? Yeah, and I loved, I, loved I, Rupert Moon. All over he loves Rupert Moon. <laughs> Chris, you're, <laughs> Chris, you're uh, your big, your big brothers. <laughs> Chris, your big brothers in New Zealand. Yeah. What, what, what's he doing? What's he up to? Good question. Who knows? Um, you said you were trying to get him on. He's probably ducking and diving. But um, well, he's had coaching at All Black Seven, so um, he's had a yeah, he's had a pretty different year coming with All, but. Um, they, they've just had a, a sort of internal um, competition run by Red Bull last weekend, actually, which looked pretty cool. So um, you, you, I think this is about the third year they've run that, but this is the first year they ran it with um, the full-time contracted players involved. So um, by all accounts, it was a pretty awesome week and weekend of uh, training and, and rugby. So I think they use it a little bit as a talent ID, but um, so that's about the only sort of competition he's had um, this year, obviously, with the, the World Series being put on hold and the Olympics being postponed. So um, he's got everything across the Olympics is going to go ahead, obviously. So um, otherwise, that will put 
put pressure on the all seven programs, no doubt. But um, yeah, he's pretty good. He's, um, he reckons he's going to join in one of the marathons remotely, so we'll connect up and do it, um, do it together, hopefully, on one of them, um, which would be pretty cool. Right, so is there a bit of brothers outdoing each other? Because your brother, Clark, has just done something very silly for charity. <laughs> uh, he, he can't do the physical stuff, so he's just got to launch himself out of plane. I could, I could not believe it. I've known Clark for a long time. I could not believe he jumped out of plane. I know it was for charity and people do silly things uh, like run 12 marathons. But did, did you look at that and go, that's too easy, I'm going to run 12 marathons? Uh, I wouldn't have said I said it was too easy, but I, I knew after he was all all full of it after saying, ah, I'll do plenty more before he was shitting himself. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's typical typical him with all, all Billy Big Balls after it. But um, yeah. I would rather I would rather go through the physical pain than throw myself out of plane. I reckon. Yeah, I'll I'll Mad. How, how easy must that job be being the All Black Sevens coach? Like you're yeah. not telling me he works very hard. He picks some players. He gets to go to Vegas, and he gets a little trip to Paris, and then like, a, a bit. He's not yeah. flying cattle class. He's not staying in Airbnb. Like how how tough can that job be? All Blacks Sevens coach. He'll he'll tell you it's tough. He'll tell you it's yeah. tough. But um, yeah, he oh, he loves it. He, I think he feels incredibly lucky to to be in the position he's in. But um, oh, he loves it. He loves coaching the team. He loves being part of that team. Uh, who knows what the future will hold in terms of, terms of Sevens? But um, yeah, he, he massively enjoys the game of Sevens and and what it stands for and. Um, it seems like you know the, the culture and the team itself over at the moment are in a good spot. So um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty pretty cool job. Eh? Wasn't the same in my day when I uh, sevens. I captained Wales in the World Cup sevens in Scotland in the rain. <laughs> and before that, we had a warm up tournament in Dubai, but we played in Dubai when they didn't have grass, so we played oh. on compacted sand. That's how nuts. And we played for free. Compacted sand. They used to spray the pitch with oil and then they would roll it and then you'd play. It's the same stadium. They just put grass on it. But then, yeah, I thought I'd really, it was, I couldn't wait to play in the World Cup in Scotland. <laughs> in the so thanks. So playing on sand in Dubai and then obviously Scotland in the World Cup. Great. Thanks very much. I did manage to go to Hong Kong, which was, a light, lively experience. I went there twice. Uh, and with Will Carling and uh, Jerry Guscott and Andy Harriman and Mickey Skinner and Neil Back. That was fun times, that was. And then, of course, I played Sounds in Amsterdam. The story there. Yeah, the, there's some interesting <laughs> stories about a massage parlour in uh, in Hong Kong. One chai. One chai. <laughs> I think I went to the only legitimate uh, massage parlour in the whole of Hong Kong. Um, yeah, yeah. With uh, Andy Herman promised to play, pay for an experience that you would never forget, and I got um, massaged by a very large Oriental gentleman, and uh, he thought it was they thought it was hilarious at the time, as you can imagine. He was like, built like a sumo wrestler. <laughs> Beat the shit out of you. Did, did well, he, 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 he massage rubbing thing, so he put me on a slab and then ripped me raw with a scrubbing brush and then did all sorts of unsightly things, which I still have therapy for. 
<laughs> well, I'm okay. Yeah, <laughs> it was okay. I can say it now, can't I? Sumo <laughs> <laughs> wrestler rubbed me up in a <laughs> on a slab in Hong Kong, paid for by an English rugby player. There's a headline somewhere, isn't there? <laughs> I'm just trying to work out who you're someone, someone's asked, sorry, Bruce, someone's asked in the comments, was there a happy ending? Oh, <laughs> and this, this particular end, uh, this, that particular ending, there's, I got out alive. <laughs> that was the happy ending. <laughs> so, yeah, it was. <laughs> You can see my, you can see my bottom of your shirt uh, behind Chris. That's the, that's the club you're with. Boys supporting you through this challenge. Yeah, I was actually going to say, Bruce, that that might be my jersey, is it? Uh, no, I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Yeah, um, we've got a couple of boys are going to run the first one with me. Yeah, so uh, Craig Caddy, who probably is the oldest player at Boromir, if I'm correct at the moment, present player. Um, so yeah, he's going to run, and Jordan Edmonds Jr. is going to join in for the first one. So, um, they've actually been out helping me train a fair bit as well, which has been awesome. And, um, that's been a really good part of it just getting out and actually having a conversation with boys that you maybe don't see so often anymore due to the COVID restrictions, um, and being able to socialize. So, it's a pretty bizarre way to socialize, you could argue, running, running long distance, but um yeah just having the support of them has been awesome and and actually the club itself have got right behind it they're going to open the club rooms on new year's day and um hopefully get a few people down so that'll be that'll be awesome so when is the yeah. first one yeah new year's day first of new january year's 2021 well so wait to start first of the month every month or are you just choosing the best day or a weekend or uh, no nah, i'm going to try and select some sort of uh, memorable dates through the year whether it's sort of uh, family birthdays or anniversaries or stuff like that um, that mean something to me and the family. Um, I'm going to sign up for two or three organised events as well. So Edinburgh, Loch Ness are on the radar and hopefully, fingers crossed, maybe one in Europe to travel allows. So, um, and then the rest, I'm going to do a couple down in the borders, one in five, um, and then we'll just take it from there. So they're not all not all mapped out as yet, but um, two or three are locked in. So. Nice. I reckon Amsterdam. Amsterdam's, Amsterdam's a good one to do. Yeah. <laughs> Flat. Always a happy ending. <laughs> it sounds like there's a story there as well. <laughs> That's another story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, Rupert, let's let's get on to scrum halves. Oh yeah. How how do we bring back the the dive pass? What what do we need to happen in the game? Because let's face it, scrum halves have got a cushy ride nowadays, haven't they? Well, the, the, this whole no one can touch you kind of thing is is just an unfair advantage. Uh, I I just think that's the way that they're all staying on their feet. I think if you had to, if someone was grabbing a cross and giving you the old fish hook, I think people would be down on the floor, wouldn't they? So I think we should get uh, Nigel Owens to start a campaign to uh, change the laws of the game. Now he's retiring. He can speak up on our behalf. And uh, <laughs> it would be far more fun just to see a few of the scrummars ragdolled um, over the top by some big lurches that are coming over there. I used to – it was a pleasurable experience to be <laughs> – uh, as it comes in, as you get down. So slipping and sliding, 
that's the only way forward. Maybe I should do some videos and clips of me sliding around in water or oily situations uh, and put them online and see if people will go for it. How, how much do you watch now and think, I could have box kicked in these conditions? Yeah, I could. I, I don't think I could have ever box kicked. <laughs> that was my big problem. I, I always use the bad weather or uh, a weak pack to, for my bad kicks. So I'd be afraid because the focus, you have to get it right all the time. So, um, look, the the kicking game is really important. I think the more you kick, the, the more you win. So uh, I think we'll we'll see a, a law change at some point uh, in the uh, the next few seasons. And if Augustine Pichot has anything to do with it, he'll uh, he'll change it for the better. So I, you know, the kicking game is 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 crucial. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's an I do admire from afar, but and wish that I practiced when I was a smaller child. Now's the time to launch our... What's it like preparing? Is there is there a lot of training around right now we're going to kick? Because, I mean, Rupert and Sean, you're, you're a bit like me. You're a little bit older. I haven't played for, well, competitively maybe for a couple of years. Kicking <laughs> wasn't really a huge thing you practised in training. Chris, did you do... Are you doing a lot of kicking in training now? Um, I think other clubs maybe more than Boromir. <laughs> um, yeah, it probably wasn't massive part of our makeup, if if I'm brutally honest. Um, I think we, you know, we maybe wasn't part of our brand. Um, but look, it's a, it is as Rupert said, it's a huge part of the game. Uh, I think back to last season when we played Watsonians in Super Six, they they were the most successful team in that competition because they had the best kicking game, whether that was off off nine or off ten. Um, and, and they were very organised at getting the ball out their own half. Um, so, it, look, definitely teams are, are spending a lot longer. We'll be rehearsing how they get out their own half. We'll be rehearsing, you know, from set piece um, inside their own 22, that exit sort of strategy, how they're getting out of there. So, um, but yeah, go, going back to us, we, we didn't practice it massively at Boromira, if, if I'm honest. I used to. The game's going on. Yeah, well, this kicking game, I'd prefer to give it like a, a large Tongan like we used to have, Sir Lacey Fee now, and uh, in our own 22 and let him have some fun running up the middle of the field. Or Martin Madden, our 20-stone prop, who just who didn't fancy running the length of the field but just liked running from his own line just for fun. So, yeah, the team, you know, with the Scarlets, it wasn't a – kicking was it was reasonably important, um, but it was always about keeping the ball alive. And taking chances, and I think um, you know that was just made the game more fun. Um, now it's about kicking and catching, and Wales have been very successful at doing it. And this long and on thing, where they kick the ball down and then they kick it back and they kick it back and they kick it back, so um, it was successful for Wales. But I, just, I think we'll, they will do a law change at some point because once it just makes the game um, a little bit redundant and that we don't see much fun anymore someone will change it, which is um, hopefully a good thing. You there, Sean? Now's the time to launch a, a, a campaign for anyone training or playing any sort of rugby over the next few days or a few weeks, months. Practice a dive pass and get someone to film it and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, bring, we'll hashtag bring back the, the dive pass. 
Definitely. <laughs> we'll send some messages around the world and see if we can get it. I'm sure there's going to be it's – it's, it's just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. <laughs> the, the, the dive pass was just every, – everybody did it. Every game did it. Every rugby special on a Sunday night, there was dive passing. Gareth Edwards. Do you know what I mean? Gareth Edwards, he was dive passing. He was voted wasn't he, the world's best player. It was good enough for him. That's what he came to pass up the left hand though. The past cocky handle. Can you can you remember? Did you were you alive when your old man was playing? Was he still going? Nah. Nah, I've just had to revert back to some uh, old old VCRs, unfortunately. Um so yeah, I, I just like seeing the, the clip. There was one on Twitter last night. Uh, the old man scoring his two tries in the 84 slam in Ireland. So, um, yeah, so unfortunately, I didn't get to see him play live, but I have seen plenty of clips and videos. Uh, the 84 Grand Slam video was a favourite of mine when they were singing, um, singing in Ireland after they won the Triple Crown. So um, the old man wasn't actually there because he was in hospital with very concussion. But, um, so, yeah, and that wasn't around, unfortunately, Bruce. All the few older brothers wore those, so they got to experience uh, Murray Fields, the old man playing, which no doubt was a pretty... Uh, Pretty awesome feeling. The old man, I remember seeing him after one of the games in the, the Boromir clubhouse. Your your mum and, and dad were there watching, and uh, you'd had a you'd had a particularly good game. And I your I spoke up to your dad and I said Chris played well today. And he went, aye. And then he started to list all the things you'd done wrong, which I had even <laughs> seen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mum wouldn't have watched the game, but she. She wasn't a huge fan of watching our boys play. She very rarely came to watch because she was too frightened in case we got hurt. So um, it was quite quite uh, funny when we found out that she wanted the, all our sort of memorial collection to go to Murrayfield injured players because our, our whole life she was just like had enough of this thing. But it just probably proves the woman she was. When your old man went away on tour, there's a, there's a story and you may be able to tell us if it's a myth or if it's true. You're from a wee village in the borders called or town called Jed, uh, Jedburgh, and the club's Jed Forest, which has churned out quite a few decent scrum halves uh, and and players in their time. But because your dad played in the amateur era, he was away for weeks and weeks on tour, wasn't he? How how did the town rally around the family? Well, it's unbelievable some of the stories that. Um, so he was an electrician, so he was still obviously doing his day job and. Um, his employer at that time was incredibly good to dad um, gave him the time off to go and train and go away on tour. And um, one of the stories that jumps out to me was, I think it was after the 84 Grand Slam, actually, is when they won the Grand Slam on the Saturday, he was wiring the, the public toilets in Jed on the Monday. Um, that's, that's, that's a true story. Um, but look, they used to help, like they used to drop food off for, for mum and my brothers. They used to, um, one of my, my, my godmother actually, she used to, um, babysit and help mum out um, but, and because it was such a small place everybody knew dad um, you know everyone was just would do anything to help out the rugby club themselves were very good and provided fully financial support businesses for, provided financial support for dad to be able to go and do what he wanted to do um, one story on dad his biggest regret is he once got invited to go to Wimbledon um, to the Royal Box but at that time they just couldn't afford to get there so um, they didn't end up going but if you ever asked Dad what his biggest regret was, that that's right up there. No, get no going to Wimbledon. 
<laughs> Rupert, is that the is that the rugby you think of community rallying round? Yeah, well, in Lethley, you used to be able to get to the side door of the wine bar, and all you and, and they'd let you in the side door for free, which was a bonus. Like a priest, still there today. Knock the door. Come on in, boys. That's the only way. That, that was a bonus, and I think um, there was a there was a chip shop on the far side of town that you would uh, you'd get a free uh, free bag of chips and a curry sauce if there had been a successful day at Straddy Park in those days. <laughs> yeah. The bonus is you uh, That was it for the community spirit for us, lot. And there's no many wine bars left. Well, it's still there on the corner. La Caprice, obviously, it's on furlough at the moment. Changed name a couple of... Unfortunately, the nightclub that myself and Scott Cronell and Colin Stevens used to frequent were called Moonraker. He's just about to be bulldozed. <laughs> you can imagine there was an interesting size dynamic there. We had uh, Colin Stevens at four foot five, myself at six foot, and then uh, Scott Cornell, who was as wide and tall as us all. On a night out, <laughs> Lethley, Moonraker, famous joint on the balcony. <laughs> oh, oh, coming back. Well, to Community, uh, there, as we're talking about community spirit, uh, the reason we're here is to try and raise a few quid. Uh, we've already told you the stories why. Uh, there's the link for Princess Alice Hospice, bit.ly.com, uh, bit.ly. And for Chris's challenge, which is a heck of a challenge 12 marathons in 12 months, uh, go to the link that's on the screen. It's also in the comments. Uh, and if you make a donation between now and the 23rd, and you put either FYB or happiness is egg-shaped into the comments on the Just Given page, you can win a £75 uh, rugby store voucher. Um, some great causes. So let's, uh, let's try and raise a few quid while we're having a great laugh. So, Chris, when, when, when does, uh, does the Super 6 season get back underway at any point? Sure. I think sure. the Wi-Fi provider. Right. Yeah, go for it. We're getting we're getting a message here. It's another Tony, another Tony McCarthy, but he's he's wanting to get serious about rugby. Should we reduce the number of subs, Chris? Should we reduce the number of subs? Uh, yes, is a short answer. I reckon um, they'll get more people playing, more teams playing potentially. Um, you end up like I think back to last season. I think we had seven, seven or eight subs albeit it was a new competition and, and semi-professional, but even back the season before that, you've got so many people just sitting on the pine, um, potentially not playing, or finding ways that we can um, have games that run back-to-back -back throughout the day, kind of like a, a New Zealand or an Aussie model where um, guys can play up or down in, in the first, second, third, whatever it is. Because um, ultimately, what, what the boys want to do, they want to play rugby. They want to train all week to sit on the pine. So... Um, reducing subs, no doubt, would have an impact um, in the amateur game and getting more teams out for more subs. You know, get teams out of the weekend and and ultimately letting boys uh, get a game at the weekend, which would be awesome. Yeah, more people playing. That's what we want. When when does the Super Six season get underway? Uh, I think the plan at this stage, John, is March. Um, but that's obviously um, you know due to, to COVID. And, I think Streamyard's enough, Sean. 
It's um, it's not happy. We, we've lost we've lost the stars of the show. Who? I can hear you. I can hear I Chris. Can and I can hear Rupert. Rupert. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, wonderful! Everyone's you, you here. Can't hear them. I was I was reading something about a player, and I, I won't say who it was, but they added up all their minutes for the caps that they'd won. And they'd won over 40 caps, but it only came to about a dozen full games. Yowch. Sam Kane. How... No, Sam Kane. <laughs> no, because he's got he's got 70 all black caps, but 60 like uh, 55 of them were off the bench. Yeah. Because they have this with this whole openers and closers or starters and finishers. Yeah. It is a different it is a different game. And I know Brian Moore used to talk about the danger of bringing seven, well, half a new team on against a team that's tired and that doesn't have the ability to change. And I, I agree. I'm with you, Chris. I think it would be a better game if we only had a few subs. If we, uh, if Maybe if you had two, I'd be up for that. I think it would be. And I think they, they should just give that game a chance where they don't have to have seven or eight subs just changing everybody because it's a... When we talk about a squad game, it's a, it's a, an unrecognisable game, isn't it? With that many players changing in one go, it, it must be it must be frustrating as a front rower to have played for fifty minutes and then you know you're coming off with half an hour to go. <laughs> Depends on the size. <laughs> well, that's true, but you know, like when you see the you see number twenty one getting warmed up, you know number nine's coming off. There's no. There's no surprise. There's no, yeah. right, there's two forwards and two backs. Let's see what happens when both your wingers go down, right? Who's on? Yeah. That that would make life a bit more interesting. Yeah. Well, does, doesn't uh, Joe Marler tell a story on the Lions? Off goes down and you, you've, got, you've got three front rows and a winger on the bench. <laughs> yeah. Well, Joe Marler tells a story in the, from the Lions store where it was the last game that he was going to play in and it was getting down to sort of the 60th minute and the messages are coming on. Uh, to say, look, you've got five minutes left, and he and he sort of talks into the person's microphone so that Gatlin can hear him. And he can, he's all he's saying is, "Get fucked, get <laughs> fucked." And five minutes later, you're coming off. He says, "Get fucked." Five minutes later, so he finish, he ends up finishing the game and has you know has a storm. It was his last last ever appearance for the Lions, <laughs> and you know. Why, why wouldn't players want to play 80 minutes? Yeah. Except if you're the bloke coming off the bench like me against England, against Rory Underwood. I remember coming off and having a, and everybody looking around and going, oh, Nigel Walker's down. Who's going on? And, I was going <laughs> and it was one of those scary, very exposed, feel like I've just gone onto a nudist speech in front of 80,000 people and looking uh, against a guy who was reasonably quick and, um, and enjoy with a big smile on his face. And everybody and and Carling laughing that I'm running on on the wing, thinking this is going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll be all right, no problem. <laughs> and how was it? Uh, <laughs> I've erased it out of my mind. <laughs> it was, I won't find any clips on on YouTube of that game. <laughs> so you, you keep you keep the uh, the Hong Kong masseuse in, uh, in your mind, but you keep, you've erased <laughs> that one. It well, must have been bad. I'm still having therapy for the large, uh, <laughs> the large sumo wrestler manhandling me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> thanks for that. I'm just, uh, yeah, a different type trauma. There's the uh, high ball when you're playing against uh, England when you come on the wing. Yeah, for Nigel Walker. 
<laughs> Nigel Walker, he was rapid. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he was very good in a straight line. Just got to get him in a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you reckon, Chris? How, how many how many Scotsmen are we going to have? I'm going to ask you about Scotsmen and Rupert about Welshmen. Chris, how many Scotsmen can potentially make the Lions? Oh. And More that's fun. not a trick question. Do Anne van der Merva count as a Scotsman? <laughs> yeah, I, I reckon four or five. You reckon? Yeah. Wow. Who, who's your four or five? Yeah, Hoggy's a stick on. Hoggy's a stick yeah. on. He'll be a stick on. Uh, Suds, Rory Sutherland, um, Johnny Gray potentially, uh, Hamish Watson, Jamie Ritchie won't be far away. Duhan van der Merve, because he keeps performing it, um, the way he is at international level, won't be far away. So, um, Finn Russell, there's quite a few in the mix, but I think doing good to get four or five. Um, Six Nations will be massive, I suppose, um, in terms of results will play a big part. As Gatland, I think, history tells you, he wants, he wants players from teams that are winning it. Eh? So, um, yeah, I think, you know, a positive Six Nations, a couple of, a couple of big results will do those individual players. Uh, the world are good, but look, I think we've got some outstanding individuals, um, and, and put them in that line team would be, I reckon, they'd go all right. Rupert, what, what's the story in Wales with the change in coaching? Do you think Warren still looks favourably on them? Um, I, I think he's just ruthless. Uh, I think when it comes to, as Chris said, it's all about the winning combination, and uh, I think there will be no uh, loyalty to, to the guys that have helped him in the past. I think the you know I think it's going to be really difficult for someone like Alan Wynn, you know the general that he is. But I think he's he's having to work a lot harder than he than he has, and it's only going to get harder in the Six Nations. And um, so the senior players I think will find it very difficult, unless someone like Jonathan Davis will because he's had more time off uh, will come into up to speed. Um, but yeah, if Wales misfire, that's going to cost. Um, you know, I'd say four or five players, their chance to get on the trip. Sean, who who's, be, who's going from who'd England? Who'd who, who'd be the Wales's uh, dead certs then? You, you would look at someone like um, Gareth Davis because of the what he's got in his armoury. I think you're you're looking at Jonathan Davis in the centre because I just don't think he's played. He's he's not as tired as everybody else because he's been injured more. So hopefully he'll uh, he'll hit his peak. Liam Williams. Um, again, offers you versatility. Um, yeah, and the same reason he's had you know, some time off. Yeah, again, yeah, and then in the back row, you might see you might see a Toby Falatau if he if he manages to hit some form for Bath. But it, at the moment, he's again just needs game time. And then the rest of the guys up front, I think they're just newbie newbies, and they're just they've got enough miles on the clock to go to a place like that. Um, and I, I don't think we've been dominating yet. Uh, enough up front, and so um, yeah, it's not as many as many as uh, as in the past. Let's put it like that. How many English are you taking, Sean? Oh, it's more than half, isn't it? It's going to be more than half. Could be the squad. All <laughs> twenty-three of them. But, do, you, uh, yeah. do you think they? Do you think they can for another coach, though? Yeah, of course they can. It's a Lions tour. If we can't get out for a Lions tour, then what's the point of playing rugby? I'm not saying they can't get out for it. Does Warren no, want Eddie's boys? Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you? They're World Cup finalists. You know, they've won everything over the last few years. They've, 
and they're seasons, you know. They're not they're not young and youthful. They some of these guys have been around for you know, five, six, or ten years now. Northern Launchbury. Oh, look at the caps! When you look yeah. at them, played England. Uh, England played Wales in uh, Parker Scarlets. The amount of caps on the field and on the bench was, you know, and they weren't. They're not oldies. They no. just uh, they just got a lot of miles on the clock. And going back to Gatland, he wants this, you know, he wants this as you know the third. He wants that he wants it, and he won't care who he takes, and he will get the best out of them without a shadow of a doubt. And so, um, yeah, I just think it's going to be a, a lean time for a few of the Celtic nations this time round. Yeah, Fred. So just after having the shocker with Tamara Taylor at the beginning, I've just got a message from Stu Tom, who was supposed to be coming on. Stu is the CEO of the Royal Belfast Golf Club, who is in an emergency meeting tonight because I think the proverbial is hitting the fan in Northern Ireland. So it's panic stations. Uh, so he's he sent his apologies. So in in Stu's absence, Rupert, you know you know Stu Lage. You might, uh, as a young pup, might have known Stu. He played scrum half for that lot down the road at the Green Yards uh, at Melrose. But Stu's a big mate of Doddy's and does a heap of fundraising for my name is Doddy. So I've uh, in for Stu, I've got my Newcastle Falcons. <laughs> my name is Doddy. Christmas jumper on uh, because I thought Stu was going to make it. So I'm just going to do a little bit. Stu, Tom, I wanted him to come on because as Rupert knows, he's done a huge amount of organising behind the scenes for My Name is Doddy. We did a series of quizzes through lockdown. Stu managed to get unbelievable guests like Rupert on. That's that's where I met Rupert and uh, I feel very (laughs) grateful to to Stu for giving me the opportunity to host those quizzes and we had Shane Williams in a caravan in deepest darkest Wales uh, we had Tommy Bow with all his, his proper jerseys Ulster, Ireland, Lions behind them, not my Edinburgh, Fiji and, and Boromir uh, we, we had some amazing guests and Stu's done a huge amount to raise money and awareness for My Name is Doddy and he's about to embark on a ridiculous round Ireland cycle and he manages to rope in all kinds of people uh, so I just wanted to get him on this side of the camera and have a chat to him and to say well done for all he's doing but unfortunately he's uh, he's tied up elsewhere but we'll we'll have a chat to him at some point soon. Rupert you've been involved in some of that stuff and Doddy Weir's obviously somebody everybody has a story about what's what's your thoughts and feelings on the big man? Oh, look, uh, you know, I played against him and uh, sat and got drunk with him uh, on numerous occasions in various parts of the world. And, um, you know, when we have the uh, Wales-Scotland game to do the fundraiser that was in Cardiff a couple of years ago, you know, the uh, the admiration that everybody has. as uh, I think he epitomises everything that we all want to be, which is, um, you know, everybody loves him. And he is a character and a personality and epitomises rugby. And that goes back to that family that, you know, whether you're a player or supporter, uh, you're just digging in to help him. And it's uh, it's tragic to see what's happening to Stuart Burrow Rugby League. And they're, they're, those boys are getting random as well. But yeah, um, Doddy's the man and uh, he's a fighter and he'll keep going long beyond uh, any of us think he can. Lades, he's from our part of the world down in the borders, which everybody knows is where... 
rugby began, none of this uh, private school in deepest, darkest Englandshire. Uh, Do- Doddy's a legend down near us, isn't he? Oh, he's huge. Um, I think I just I just want you know obviously I'm I know Gary Gary Armstrong well and and the relationship that those two have got and I was at a dinner in Haddington um, I think a year and a bit ago two years ago for for the foundation and um, you know the the sort of positive attitude that Dory Dory has and is is just phenomenal um, in terms of what he's going through what his family are going through um, I can't even begin to imagine what it's like but. In terms of an icon, a role model for for people in the borders, he's uh, he's absolutely everything, and um, you know it's just it's it's really incredible to sit back and watch what what's all been done in such a short space of time from the foundation's point of view, and then we're all borrow stuff, um, you know, happening and the money that's getting raised. Fingers crossed that can go to a, a good cause and and help um, find some sort of um, medication or cure for that horrible disease. So um, yeah, Doddy's Doddy's a top top man and. Um, coming from a small place in the borders, he's an absolute, absolute hero. Doddy, Doddy and Gary cracked me up. I wish Channel 4 had given somebody a camera to follow the two of them around because they are just gold. And I was hearing a story, they were in Hong Kong. Somebody had bought a jersey, a signed jersey that had cost them a silly amount of money at Doddy's dinner in Hong Kong. They'd then gone out for a night out with Doddy and Gary woken up the next morning and his helper has taken the signed jersey and cleaned it because she thought the jumper was a mess. So I'd taken all the signatures off it. But I think it took him about three and a half weeks to sober up and then start to feel disappointed about it because he'd been out in the Guinness with with Gaz and uh, and Donnie. That doesn't surprise me. Gary Armstrong, what a what a player, what a player. Sean, big man, I think we've reached the end. I think we have. My kids, I've getting knocks on the door saying, "Can we? Can the kids go to bed?" Yeah, <laughs> which is a shame because we could talk for hours. Yeah, these are good, good men. Chris, just it's been brilliant to chat to you. Uh, I, I don't get to see you as often as I would like to. Uh, Chris, I got Chris to come to Boroughmuir. I was the coach at the time and uh, I'd seen this guy playing and heard a lot about him and heard he was a good man and he and he absolutely is. He's a cracking rugby player as well. Uh, and Alana, his, his wonderful wife, is a great support to him and I know he's got two little brats of his own that he's probably ducked out of having to do the bedtime routine tonight. But Chris, <laughs> let's just... Let's just give you a last word on on the charity and the effort and and anything you want to put out there to the the four people that are watching. Yeah, I suppose from my point of view, like it's a big challenge. So any support that can be um, lent throughout the year would be much appreciated. It doesn't need to be financial. Um, it's not it's not about the money. It's about raising awareness for these great charities. Um, and if if anyone wants to jump in and and run some of the marathons or run ten k. Um, that would be brilliant to get some support. First one's on the 1st of January, leaving from Megalan. Bruce, that's no far away from you, surely. You could jump down and do 10k. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bring my bike. Yeah, <laughs> that's an idea. I'll, I'll be your support team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every little help. Yeah, top man, Chris. Absolutely brilliant to see you. Thanks for, thanks for joining us and all the best for it. I hope it goes well and have a great Christmas with you and the family. Yeah, thanks very much for having me on. Uh, Much appreciated. 
Rupert, Rupert, Rupert Moon. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure to chat to you. For, it's absolutely superb. We could chat for hours. Let's do this again. We there's shall. Plenty more, there's got to be more stories we can and can't tell. There are loads more happy endings. <laughs> uh, the, the best bit about Rupert is he said, oh, I'll, I'll only be able to do, can I just do the early bit? I'll, I'll not be able to, I'll, I'll have to leave, I'll have to leave. Yeah, an hour later and he's still going strong. <laughs> Top man, Rupert, thank you. Brilliant to see you again. Have a great Christmas. All the best to you and the family. Good luck. Uh, and Bruce, Bruce, thank you to you, mate. Uh, you opened up your contact book. Uh, you've been a great friend this year and well, the last few years. Uh, couldn't have done it without you, mate. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Have a great Christmas, everybody. Uh, yeah, uh, look, don't forget, donate to the two charities. Let's raise a few quid. Uh, go and try and win yourself a rugby store voucher at the same time. Um, yeah, it's all been a crap year for everybody else, but if we can help every help everybody else at the same time then we've done our job as human beings uh merry christmas everyone this is the last round table for the for, for 2020 so um yeah it's been a pleasure we'll uh, be back in the new year with uh more stories from rupert <laughs> i shall be back <laughs> rupert, rupert, and, uh, rupert and tamara taylor special yeah tamara yeah tamara taylor yeah we've got we've got the next six months lined out we're going to do more with chris more with rupert more with tamara <laughs> but absolutely uh thank you everybody cheers good night huge thanks again to bruce rupert and chris for joining me tonight and check out the links in the bio for all the details on the charities that we spoke about this evening. And if you make a donation before the 23rd of December, you'll be entered into the draw to win a £75 voucher from our good friends at Rugby Store. This is our final episode of 2020. I just wanted to thank you all for checking out our podcast and our video shows over the last few months. We'll see you in a few weeks' time. Cheers! Cheers.